Welcome to Thriving the Future podcast, where we're finding positive solutions to thrive in the tough times ahead. Okay, welcome back to Thriving the Future. So last week, we were planning a workshop. As part of the workshop, we went to a friend's land and did a site survey. So we're going to go through the results of the site survey. We're also going to include some clips that we took on site. There's a little bit of wind noise, so... How often would you be coming out? So it's in... Honestly, probably um, not more than probably twice a week for uh, two to three hours Mm -hmm. because of just my work schedule, you know. I would definitely come out for... um, probably four hours over the weekend one day you know mm-hmm. so that gives you an idea mm-hmm. it's not it's not a lot I don't know what I can really do with that sure I'd love to come out yeah for a weekend after it you know like you said holiday have clothes have stuff mm-hmm. out here I'd yep. like to do that further up the hill the shelf will go up but, yeah, I but not as much as the so is that clay? No, Those there's ones? no clay. I mean, the, the top two feet? No, it's it's decent topsoil. We have about two foot of soil before we hit this rock shelf. Probably more up there, so well is not easy. Um, we do have a perk test, so that would be yeah. sewer and stuff. Um, we're looking at... Or if they turned around, they could run laterals this way. We're looking at maybe one, two days a week here on property for three to four hours on a weekend. Yeah. So we don't have animals. So let's ask growing experience. What do you have experience growing? Trees. Trees? <laughs> Tomatoes and peppers. And <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we're, that's us. Um, How much of this would you want to make into food production? Really, whatever I can right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not opposed to anything. Um, my only opposition is I don't want to go beyond that that one building, right? So that it's still sellable. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. I won't plant trees right where I think a house would be. Good point. The other question would be, would we go back to the beginning exercise and ask, having looked at this property, would you reconsider anything about it, or would you advise them anything different about it, looking at buying this versus something else? If somebody is okay with a a slab home, this is a great property, you know, but if you want to do homesteading, it's adequate, you know, at best. It's not bad. It's, it's just, um, if you've got to put a septic, septic system in, it limits a lot. Background. He has a three-acre lot. It is in northeast Kansas. Um, we'll include some pictures of the land, some pictures of, of some of the plants there, and also some contour. So this land, there's three acres. It's rectangular. It slopes from the northwest corner down southeast to the road, and you'll see that in some of the pictures. It So us in northeast Kansas are in USDA zone 6A. 
So what's the land history? 20 years ago, it was pasture. 10 years ago, like most of the places around here, it was separated into smaller acreages. Yeah, especially the stuff that wasn't so great for getting the tractor in or where the creek trees were starting to encroach on the fields. or. Right. And then it was separated into neighbor's house and then this land and then another pasture. So some of the trees that we've seen, this, this land slopes down to the south and also to the southeast. Along the south, as you can see in the pictures, there's a row of trees that kind of go down into a, a, a creek, ravine, things like that. Some of the trees that we, we identified out of there, there's a lots of hedge. Um, there's some oak. There's lots of cedar, evergreen type thing. We've got hackberry. Some of the perennials that we identified were prairie verbena and mullen, which is cowboy toilet paper. It's a good medicinal too. Yeah, it's good. And as you'll see in some of the some of the clips here, we identified the goals, and goals are very important because your goals that you have when you're looking at a land may change as you go through the, the process. We looked at it like if you were buying this land right now, what would you what would you think? And then also we covered how does his how has his goals changed and how does has his perception of the land changed. So he's had it for what did he say, three years? Right, three to four, yeah. Yeah, so he hasn't done much on it, right? Um, in the pictures, you can see we burned it off right. as part of being out there, right? His goals are to turn around the property in about five to six years because he's going to retire. And, and that burn off is a periodic yeah. thing, not a yearly thing. Sure. Or not a, it's, part, it's part of the maintenance that he and others have done mm -hmm. to the land just to keep the scrub and nasty weeds down. So in the meantime, he wants to use it as a proof of concept for kind of an off-grid place. Uh, right now, there's there's no water. He could put in water, but that's going to cost a lot of money. And one thing you'll see when you go out to land and you look at it is if it doesn't have water, you could pay up to $10,000 just for them to put the meter in, even if it, the water comes up to the edge of the property. And it's very common for some of the counties around here that are more... Uh, on the outskirts of the big cities, mm -hmm. that they will make the person subdividing the land put in meters and plot utility lays and mm -hmm. all of that, and then the water company still charges. Right, and that doesn't even include what you need to do to make it up to the house. Right. So, and but they but they consider from the meter to the house completely you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's and that's the way it would be for the most part on a lot of that stuff. So he doesn't have anything on there right now, but what he wants to go for is a proof of concept, get a couple of shipping containers, make uh, two trench footers between them, and then put a roof between it and and um, and enclose that in. So, so, so yeah, two, two, let's try and explain that a little bit better. So you have the two shipping containers, mm -hmm. which are 40 foot long. Right. So the trench footing would go under the container. So the containers are sitting on that mm -hmm. then between them you'd pour a pad correct and you would cover over that center area mm -hmm. and then put a extended roof over the shipping containers to give them shade increase increase water collection sure and keep that up and then he can always come back and insulate some of the shipping containers and he can put a garage door and a man door on the front of that for walking in and skin it real cheap mm -hmm. with some tin right so he wants to use that for rain catchment and then use that for his water because instead of 
you know, bringing it on with a meter and then running it up the hill and things. And we'll go over some of the some of the reasons for that because of the obstructions or the you know the disadvantages or whatever, right? So have solar power, solar panels for power, because once again you're going to run. You may yeah, have. that's not 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 definite or right away, right? Sure. The fir first idea is to put up the building. Mm -hmm. So that one, he's got a place to do things like park some equipment or store some stuff, and right. he's got a place to work out of. Mm -hmm. Then work on maybe, you know, composting toilet in a cooking area and, and, and slowly build into what all it could do as an off-grid property. Right. As he explores the option for a future move mm -hmm. and also to increase the value of this property for resale value. Mm -hmm. And then use it and then put in a compost toilet. So one of the things that you really need to look at when you're looking at a three to five acre lot is how much of that is going to be taken up with your septic tank and your laterals. And this, this property did pass a perk test and putting in laterals is a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this is one of the things that has changed in his life, right? When, right? when the property was bought, the idea was a workshop and a house. When we retire and we've paid every, we paid off the property and we paid to build the building, all that, we retire, sure. we come out here and we, you know, use the shop and we build stuff and we take care of things. We fix things, do some cars, things mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it wasn't a big deal. Right. But now that he has gotten into loving planting trees and the idea of orchards and nuts and things like that, the the area uh, that the septic system would take up and the plantable area kind of overlaps so much that he wouldn't be able to, to do what he wanted to do planting-wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could plant some things on top of the septic tank, but you probably don't want to Wait, plant not, most not, things on top of this. Not trees. Tank. Yeah, not trees because that would get down yeah. in the septic. And then you probably you can plant some edible things, but you probably don't want to do too much gardening on top of the septic tank. And it, and it also depends on how deep you can put in the septic, but that's right. another consideration with this land being kind of the knoll of a hill like it is mm -hmm. and rounded and going down to such a steep incline in that creek is that it is mostly a rock shelf about two foot down except sure. on the real high spot. Mm -hmm. And so you have a very rocky soil as right. well. So when we looked at it, once again, up towards the top, there's a rock shelf about two foot well, down. It, he it, estimates there's probably a, a two foot layer of rock. And there's quite a bit of rock that's working its way up through the soil anyway. He, he dug a test hole. Yeah. With some equipment. And um, it's clear how much dirt is also eroding away Correct. because of how much of that had filled in for him. Yeah. And that'll go into some of our design. So one of the things we did was, and, and you'll see some pictures of this, is and you went and you took a handful of the soil, checked the compressibility by smushing it in your hand. But right? you've got... Um, so, like, if it will hold form on its own, there's some clay in it. Mm, okay. If you can get it to, you know, squish out water, then it's more humus because it's spongy, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If it actually will roll like Play-Doh, you've got a lot of clay, right? Mm -hmm. And and this this would kind of hold together if you squeezed it. I'm not some water may have come out if it was really wet, but it it wasn't a spongy soil, right? It, right. But it was, and it wasn't sandy at all. It wasn't sandy, so it was a good. Clay-based loam, I guess, would mm -hmm. be probably the kind of the way you describe it. I mean, it's great soil. Yeah. I 
you could grow stuff in it. You're just going to have to build it up and stabilize. Right. And and you, one of the things that I found remarkable was you put it up to your your nose and smelled it. Right. Why did you do that? Well, because it tells you things about the soil. And, and you don't always... It's more partly an intuitive thing, mm-hmm. but there are things like heavy pesticide so- soils have a bitter smell, but it's a distinct bitterness to the smell. A chemically smell, right? Yeah. It's not quite chemical, mm-hmm. but it's very bitter. Okay. I've even noticed it like if uh, you go to some place that uses a lot of the chemical fertilizers in town where they're mowing. Sure. But mowed grass around here doesn't smell that way. Correct. Yeah, I've smelled you, that in town. You, you can tell it when some guy's mowing his hay field, mm-hmm. how much fertilizer he put down by how sweet versus bitter that hay That's smell is as the wind comes across it, right? Yeah. It's that, that same bitter that you get from that in the soil. And the mm-hmm. more heavy and present that is, you know, the more it was herbicided and pesticided sure. and those things. And that gives you an idea of that. This had a bit of a bitter smell, but it was more like that, some of those roots you cut into. Some right. of those grass roots and other things that kind of have add a bitterness mm-hmm. from the herb, right? Right. So I would, it, it was really good. Um, I didn't taste this particular soil. I've done that. And I think you kind of do this by basically tasting the soil as you garden in it. Mm-hmm. I, as, as soil has improved, I've watched the taste change. Hmm. And we're not talking like eating. You know, you're just putting it on your tongue. Right, and sure. Letting it get moist and letting that flavor just kind of... Okay. Yeah, trying to see if whether how bitter it is, right? Right. How bitter it is, how sweet it is. But there's other components in there that I can't quite... Mm-hmm. You know, dirt's dirt, right? Right. But sand doesn't really have a taste it has a gravelly feel right right all those things you can train yourself to go oh this is closer to this garden that i had at this house or that house or that house i was able to grow this 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 and that in it right Mm -hmm. that intuitive perception is key okay if you if you can develop it right and Mm -hmm. you do that by you know, you taste your soil in the spring, you kind of taste it in the summer, you taste it in the fall this year, and you do it the next year, you do it the next year. It will build up and become kind of a rote, just kind of known thing. Yep. You can taste compost, too, if you have the mm-hmm. fortitude to deal with the thoughts of that, right? I mean, yeah. some people can't deal with that. I wouldn't. Because it used to be you, poop, yeah. <laughs> well, it used to be poop. Um, I, I wouldn't do it with a fresh manure compost or one sure. that isn't finished, finished, right? But that's mm-hmm. that. Um yeah, that's one thing that's interesting. So the the compost that comes from the city, yeah, from the city compost place, has kind of a oil smell to it, mm-hmm. which I think they take the yard waste and they take the leaves and stuff and they apply something to it to get it to break down over the winter time, because then it's for sale in the in this in the spring. I I, I think, but it, that sometimes smell it you're has coming a, with is partially what everybody in the city is treating their lawns yeah, and their trees true. with right yeah, yeah and some of the tree services will um between each cut or between several cuts or moving from tree to tree they will treat the clippers and the saws with a disinfectant hmm yeah <clears throat> and some do it more than others because that's supposed to keep tree diseases from moving along right correct, correct. And that adds up in those situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a lot of people that don't take a good, but they just 
take suck up whatever in the leaf blower or whatever, sure. right? Or the right. or yeah, the, or the mulch mower or the, all that, right? There, yeah. And that goes to that that goes to the big composting, and they run it through the shed, shredder. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen ones where it's clear that whoever was operating the shredder there dropped the whole plastic bag through. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's that's that happens a lot. So I think I think that builds up some of that. Right. So, so and, and the good news about that is most of that stuff is able to be sequestered through composting, right? Mm-hmm. It can get locked up in a way it's not bioavailable to plants and it's not bioavailable to other things. Sure. Which is beyond my ability to right. talk through. Smarter people than me have done it. Right. So one of the things we saw was... Um, uh, before we go on, let's cover the Sorry. climate info real quick. So everybody's okay. on board with that because we covered we're zone six, right? But mm-hmm. So this is for our general area, which would mm-hmm. be northeast Kansas. Right. Um, you were looking at about 28 to 30 inches of rainfall a year. Okay. 21 to... 21 or so inches of snow. That's over the course of the year. And it's averages, right? So there's some more, some less. Right. Um, Let's see. In our area, you have 97 days of the year are precipitation. Mm -hmm. Our driest year between 1895 and 2012 Mm -hmm. was 1956. Mm -hmm. And we got 15.39 inches of rain. For the whole entire year. For the whole entire year. Our heaviest recorded year between the same period was in 1951. And this is the year everybody talks about the 51 flood down in mm-hmm, Topeka, right? Mm-hmm, right. 41 and a half inches of rain that year. Mm-hmm. Our, the biggest rainfall in Kansas happened in 1993. Pittsburgh, Kansas got 17 inches of rain in a 24-hour period. We got 16 inches of rain right. three years ago here. Yeah, that's just the record, In right? August, right? Right? Yeah. The record's 17. So, you know, you can have those rainstorms. This is an important number when you're, like, planting swales and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I have this catchment that gets 20,000 gallons of water on it per inch of rain. Sure. So you multiply 20,000 by 17, which I don't have my calculator handy and I'm not going to do on the air, right? Right. That's a lot of water. The, you know, that'd break a dam that would, if you don't have the drainage off that system at the end mm-hmm. so things to consider so let's see look wind wind is very interesting for kansas mm-hmm. um between october and may we have the windiest part of the year right and that's 7.3 months of wind <laughs> and we're looking at uh average wind speed of more than 10 and a half miles an hour yeah right the calm part of the year is may to october again when was October to May? This is May to October. Sure. The average hourly wind speeds are 8.2 miles an hour. So, you know, that's the unwindy part. I just love that. Yeah. For 8.6 months of the year is from the south. Mm-hmm. Kansas means the people of the south wind. Right. So. But 3.4 months, it is from the north. So, December to March 21st-ish is a north wind. Right. We have clear skies for only 4.8 months, Mm -hmm. June to November. Right. We have 7.2 months of sun. Mm -hmm. This is something to think about when you're thinking solar. Hmm. So we're talking off-grid. 
solar makes sense from June to November. Right. But from November to June, you've got a problem. It's at least partly cloudy. But we have a low of 8.2 months. So so May to October. So we were saying June, November to June. So October to May. So we got the wind. Mm-hmm. During that set, when we're cloudy for that 7.2 months, we have an average wind of 10, 10 and a half miles an hour. Hmm. So it would make sense to put up a solar array, but it would make also sense to have a windmill. Yeah, but you probably wouldn't want to do that on three acres. You'd probably want to. Yeah, you would. Okay. If you see uh, Missouri Wind and Solar, go mm-hmm. look at what they've done. They have right. designed a AC um, okay. windmill that is like perfect for this situation. Mm-hmm. Small, can go on like a pole. Right. So we got that, right? Let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, frost is... Last frost date is... Uh, average frost date is 420 April April 20th. Yeah. That's right. And then uh first freeze is usually November 27th. You're November? Up to. Really? First freeze. Mhm. Oh, hard 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 freeze. Yeah. The first frost is usually in October. Later. Oh, October. I'm sorry. That's Yeah, it says Yeah. That's what it says. Okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm arguing with it, but I will go check my numbers again. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, and then the last two years, you, we've had a we've had a frost, a killing frost in the upper twenties, first up to the ninth of May. Mm-hmm. We have a ten percent chance of thirty-two degrees in May third. Mm-hmm. We have that same at April sixteenth. Right. For twenty-eight and below. Um. Yeah, we had. We had 28 this morning in some areas. Yeah, but our, our frost-free is May 5th to September 23, and that's moving. Right. So we've watched a weather change. So while we are... Frost-free from, uh, what would you say, May 5th through? September 23rd. Hmm, 23rd, okay. That, that's what... The, it's yeah. 170 free frost days. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm, that comes mm-hmm. to like 20, 22 growing weeks. Right. Um, so one of the things you can do in Kansas is you can get, if you do it correctly, you can get two seasons out. So right. you if you get cold crops, yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah. can get some potatoes, you can get some um, greens and things in. And then all your brassicas, your onions, brassicas being your cabbage, your broccoli, sure. your cauliflower, kale. your Brussels sprouts, your kales, right. your, we, we, we have prime growing area for greens. Yeah. Until, yeah. Until they start bolting and yeah well they'll bolt in the summer right Right. and then but but you've you've got it back in the fall and it's very long season and we have a lot of greens even a lot of the weeds that we have grow here grow through through a light winter right correct one of the things that we're i i've been thinking about because our frost dates are moving and our weather is moderating Mm -hmm. is planting Things that do well in 5B and do a good K in 7A. Hmm. Okay. Just testing them, right? Right. Because as this change happens, for whatever reason, there are billion ex- billion possibilities, right? There are right. many, many, many. It is observable that it's at least mellowing. Sure. Or getting more 
even across time. So I want to bring in some genetics mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the seeds that I'm going to try and save. Correct. And where'd, where'd you get that? Uh, that I, I got davesgarden.com. Uh -huh. I've got the uh, the weather station app for Kansas, or the the, the weather service app. So you right. uh, weather.gov sure. or them, mm -hmm. right? NOAA.gov. Yeah. Um, I can't see. I got weatherspark.com, mm -hmm. weatherspark continued, coolweather.net for the annual rainfall stuff. And... Uh, yeah, across all those, you can usually get a very, very good. Okay. Good. That's, so that that's climate. our that's our climate information, right? Right. Good. That's very detailed. Thanks. So one of the things that really came out was also, you know, what do you want to do with the land? If you have a three-acre land and it's a rectangle, you aren't going to be able to grow right up to the fence. And most people don't think about that so say we're looking at a land right say saturday but, was the first time we ever looked at that land let's take the first most important thing mm -hmm. he picked the right side of the hill he picked the south facing side of the hill yeah. right if mm -hmm. he had picked the north side facing of this hill mm -hmm. he cuts probably two months off of his growing season Good for point. the year yes even though we're not the mountains right mm -hmm. it gets really drastic in a mountainy area right in our area, it's not as bad, but it still will because, I mean, you can see this on people that have done a swale, right? They'll have mm -hmm. a sun side facing and a non side facing. Right. This time of year, it's really great to go look at those because you'll have dandelions on that warmer side and it won't be woken up on the other side, right? Hmm. I've got comfrey that's kind of doing that. On the on the warm side, it's kind of starting to wake up. Sure. As you, as you crest that hill, it gets... Less and less and less down to brown leaves from last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you and then with everything else, you can get a microclimate, right? Right. So if you have a tree that you want to not get the early frosts, like a peach or something, mm -hmm. put that in your more shady areas because they're not going to warm up. They're not going to unfreeze and bud as soon. Hmm. Right. Right. So you pick the right side for growing stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what he's looking at. But you need to look at that. Right. How do we examine some of the sun stuff, or how do you do it? Um, so one way is to use the Sunseeker app. So this app is kind of like one of those augmented realities where you hold it up like you're taking a picture, and then it overlays the sun during different times of the year. Mm -hmm. And I've got a picture of it that I'll include in the in the show notes. And then so you can tell whether, sure, it looks good in the spring and I'm going to put it a greenhouse here. But then you look at it and you can see that there's a tree in the way in the wintertime. So if you're going to have a heated greenhouse or grow stuff in the wintertime, you're going to you're going to be reduced on the sun. So um, this could be used several ways, right? Yeah. Um, Is your house in the way in the afternoon? You well, have, this, this, yeah. I'm building a house, right? Right. I want my windows to catch winter sun. Hmm. I don't want it to catch summer sun. Hmm. How far out from the window should my eaves go? Ooh, that's a good point. There are people that have calculations for that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of us are a do it on a wing and a prayer right. or as we go. Right. Especially for barns, sheds, and that. You mm -hmm. can do the exact same thing to the windows you put on your chicken coop. Sure. Good you point. can decide that the chicken coop's getting too hot, so I'm going to put an awning of some kind out in front of the door. Mm-hmm. 
how far should I come out from there? Correct. Here's my summer. Here's my winter. Well, I want it to come through through the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a, a a couple beds that I put um, that I put grafted apple trees in. Right. Yeah. So the grafts can take, and then I'll replant them somewhere else. Um, the one that's on the far west is is um, afternoon sun facing, and they mm-hmm. get burned up. So not much success there. I'm going to have to move that bed. And then the other the other ones that are not have afternoon sun, then the apples have done quite a bit better and, and have uh, uh, made it through and then be plantable the next year, right? Right. So I, th- I think what we've discovered talking to Ken, looking at it and giving him our experience from being growers longer mm-hmm. and that he was really able to see that if he had known what he was going to want now out of it, he would have just driven by his length, what he said, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't right. have stopped. He wouldn't have looked at it. And that that's something that should be thought about. And well, and that's, it, it's, at, it's at the classic problem of buying for who I am now, not who I'm going to become. Mm-hmm. So, and this, uh, this, is, this is a good example of where you can fall into the, I've already put money in it. I have to put more money in it fallacy, right? Yep. Sunk cost. Right. Because mm-hmm. I've, you're stuck. Right. But what you should do is cut your losses mm-hmm. and start over. Yeah. So one of the things we, we learned that was really interesting, and and we have a pretty good recording of, uh, of what his goals are, but one of the things you have to take into account, especially on a rectangle property, is you can't build right up to the fence. There's got to be some sort of easement. There can be some underground things that go across there that you can't build on top of. Right, and then the rock was a problem. And then counties have regulations about how close to the property line you are. Right, and, and how, uh, and then yeah, there's going to be a certain amount of easement. They'll have regulations of where you can put your septic tank, and then and then when you divide up a three acre or five acre plot like that, with all of those restrictions and being off of the property line a certain way, you're going to end up with a much, um, you're going to have you're going to end up with much less space than what you think you. You will. So all these people are saying, yeah, well, I got a one acre or I got a three acre or whatever lot. That's good. And you may get a half an acre or at most an acre of growing space out of that. But if you're going to have like septic, then, you know, with all these other restrictions and trees and things, you could significantly reduce your your area. I think the main goal has become to increase property value. Right. Begin to explore what this new retired lifestyle will be like mm-hmm. so that he is ready to implement when he moves. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's an excellent way to recover the investment in the property. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening to the Thriving the Future podcast. Check us out on the web on thrivingthefuture.com. Also, come and join our conversation on Twitter at thrivingthefuture. And on our Telegram group, there's a link on the website. This podcast was produced by Scott the Freedom Farmer at freedomfarmer.net. Copyright 2022, thriveinthefuture.com. 
Join us at the Homestead Journal in living out the classic homesteading ethos on the path towards a simple life that speaks to the heart of humanity. We're an online community embodying and helping our members develop an indestructible homesteading mindset. Become someone who adds walk to the talk and applies proven old world protocols in a modern context. Find us at thehomesteadjournal.net and follow us at thj.net on Twitter. Are you a freedom farmer? Check out freedomfarmer.net, where I focus on skills over stuff and designing an intentional life. That's freedomfarmer.net. If you are interested in starting a podcast and you would like some consultation, how to find your niche, how to grow your audience, how to develop that consistency, contact me at thriveinthefuture at gmail.com.